Welcome to From the Rookery End. Uh, my name is John. With me is Jordy. Hello. And Mike. Roger. All right. All right. Yes. Uh, we're outside of Vicarage Road after Watford uh, 1, Arsenal 3. Go into the details of that uh, in a moment. We are lifelong Watford fans, season ticket holders in the Rookery End. Uh, and and as every week, as it is now weekly from the Rookery End, uh, this is our take on life as a Watford fan. So let, let's have our take on this game. Mike, I, I always hate using this phrase. Uh, it's a game, it was a game of two halves. And I'm not, even though that score was 3-1, I'm not, like, devastated. Uh, I'm still, I was going to say fuming, but smarting a little bit by the way the first half ended, which, in effect, ended the game as a, as a contest. And you're right to say it was a game of two halves. We'll a lot better in the second than they were in the first. And there's lots of positives to take out of that, which I'm sure we'll go through shortly. But, yeah, I think the overarching emotion, really, is a bit of disappointment because I think we could have got something out of that with a better second half, second half performance, if you like. If we'd have seen that second half through, going in at 2-0, you're always in with a chance. We saw what happened when we got the goal. We sort of grew in confidence, Arsenal shrank a little bit, and knowing the way they've started the season, knowing the pressure that they're under and Wenger's under, 2-1 would have been a completely different game, but obviously we, we let that third goal in, which for me was a real bad, bad goal to concede. Um, you say all you want about the delivery, you say all you want about sort of Ertzil ghosting in and all that, but where, where were our three enormous central defenders? Because that, for me, that was the, the, the only real massive moment of the game, Geordie, where I was totally disappointed, was that third goal from Arsenal. Yeah, I mean, I was disappointed probably more than you then. <laughs> so, so I could count, count yourself lucky. I think, I think Mike's point about the three defenders, for me, if you play with three centre-backs you allow yourself some advantages and you allow yourself some disadvantages and you have to work around both of them. I think one of the advantages, particularly when you've got three guys who look like they were models for the Easter Island uh, <laughs> sculptures, <laughs> is that you're going to have physical presence. No one's going to be crossing the ball in and causing you any bother. Uh, and the first goal, was, I think, Zamrabat gave away by the penalty. Whether it was or it wasn't, uh, it probably was. But why was he there when you got three centre-backs? Who, 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 who were they marking? Giroud wasn't there. So who were they marking or where were they? Ditto the third goal. Again, a cross came in, a trading ground goal or a pre-season goal. Uh, and and that, that, I guess, is the thing that frustrated me. And again, you know, your point about finishing the half strongly. And in a space of about seven minutes, we gave away the Chelsea game. In a space of about seven minutes, we gave away the Arsenal game. And it's, it's rendered however many, well, however many are left after 180. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 180 plus with the, with the time added on. It's, it's almost rendered those minutes irrelevant. Um, and we let five goals in in a row in two home games. And, and that's, that's what kind of annoys me a bit. And hopefully, I guess the only good thing is the second half and the way we kind of went for it, rather than saying, Christ, 3-0 down here, let's damage limitation and see it out. We actually went for it, we tried something different, and hopefully that bodes well for the future. I think, I think Watford grew in. I think they can take heart from that first half, though. They grew into it. And well, we weren't absolutely... Yeah, the early goal... Um, it, it didn't feel like they then dominated that first half. It wasn't like one half where they dominated, one half where we dominated. They never, they never really put themselves on that game 100%. It kind of felt, for the first 25 minutes, it felt like a pre-season friendly. Because I think Arsenal had got their early goal. Um, and then, you know, both teams were kind of content to spar a little bit. And Arsenal had a lot, lot, lot more of the ball. I'd hate to see the possession stats for the sort of first 20, 25, maybe even half an hour. Um, but Watford gradually, and that's the, the thing we've seen of Watford in the Premier League, they have grown into games and they did that again. And I think a special mention must go to Nordin Amrabat, who I think turned in another terrific performance, especially during that first half where, again, the issue was that missing link, getting the ball through midfield 
and getting something creative out of it. We had plenty of the ball, we just weren't moving it quick enough, we weren't making the right decision with the pass. I think Guardiola won't have been surprised to be hauled off and neither will the, neither will the supporters. I think he made the wrong decision too many times and was too slow getting the ball wide. But Amrabat sort of took the ball by the horns a little bit and drove on into the Arsenal half and, and kind of made things happen. And it felt like the, the tipping point a little bit was when Amrabat seemed to get a duff decision. He skinned the, skinned the, the, the Arsenal defender at the byline and the, and the linesman flagged for a, for a free kick, which was... Unfortunately, and I don't, we're not going to use this the, the podcast to sort of moan about referees too much because there's no sense in it. You don't get, you don't feel any better about it. But it did seem to be, it did seem to sort of, I don't know. It was an example of the way things went in terms of decisions. Lots of bookings for Watford, not very many for Arsenal. Lots of marginal decisions going Arsenal's way, and, and not really many going for Watford. So, and I think it sort of flipped on that. I don't know whether the concentration went from, from a couple of the guys, and but at that moment on, Watford seemed to really have a head of steam as much as he could have had a head of steam in that first half. And it, yeah, the wind came out of our sails after that decision, as far as I'm concerned. Are we going to moan about the referee, Geordie? Well, it'll be a hell of a long podcast if you, <laughs> if, if you ask me that question, John. I, th- I think Amrabat deserves, I think, uh, an award at the end of season awards, for given that you can be booked for dissent. For the for the for the for the, for the for the yeah for the for the control he, he demonstrated with a provocation from Kevin Friend who seemed to give everything against him from the penalty which again may have been a fair decision but anything even there wasn't even 50-50 where there wasn't a decision to make where Amrabat didn't kick the ball out of play and he had a throwing given against him tiny things it just seemed as if Amrabat had upset Kevin Friend in some way and uh, and and it was just it was just bizarre just watching that almost. Not, not bullying, but it was almost like it, it, picking on. It, it was bizarre. It was just bizarre, and it's almost like and just you're, you're going off right. We well, haven't booked you yet, you know. <laughs> just just to add that, and and there's so many decisions. I mean, Mike's point about the five five bookings. You, know, you do wonder if there is an unconscious bias in some some referees where oh Bellerin's tugged a player back, well I'll let him go for it. It's Hector, and you know yeah. let him off for it. He's Arsenal, uh, but someone else does it for Watford. Well, booking straight away, and I'm not saying they're deliberately picking on teams and picking on smaller teams but you do wonder sometimes if there is an unconscious bias that this is a game, this is a game that Arsenal should be winning and therefore as long as that's happening it, no one's going to ask any questions of me and I'll I'll be okay. I think Norden should definitely get an award at the end of the year for how he went off the pitch. Yeah. Whatever, mate. Walking yeah, yeah, yeah. off, slap his hand, off he goes. Yeah. Like going, I ain't, I ain't interested. Yeah. It was a good. I like the attitude, and I'm, I'm loving that attitude of Amrabat yeah. this year. You know, if, if yeah. we start the season now, play of the year, play the season, Amrabat straight away. He certainly got his mojo back, and yeah. it, for, to be, have to be physically hauled back onto the pitch to be booked can only be a, a good thing. And I think we've, you know, we've talked a lot about the first half and some of the negatives in terms of dodgy officiating. I think everyone will accept that we're going to get more bad decisions than we are good. But at the end of the day, oh God, it sounds like match of the day, doesn't it? <laughs> end of the day, Jeff. We, we were 3-0 down, probably because of two and a half mistakes. I think it's fair to say we were the, we were the masters of our own downfall, really. And despite all the, all the good things that we did in the first half, and, and they certainly got a lot better in the second, but you could argue that we had nothing to lose in the second half. So we couldn't... I mean, I spoke to spoke to my cousins at, at halftime. Hello, John. Hello, Rich. If you if you're listening, and we were, we were oh, you know, we were very you know crestfallen after the after that third goal, and you you did fear, you know, what can you possibly get out of a second half when you're already trailing three 0 against a team who is renowned for being able to keep the ball and and just pick teams off uh, almost at will, and and we did well in the second half. For me, the second half was what yeah at half time. Um, was the fact that hey let's stick on some debutants and uh, let them almost almost have freedom, let them almost have the freedom to say look you this that that, that happened before wasn't you, so go out there 
We know, we, you know, we don't, we could win the game, but we know we're not going to win the game. Go out there, have fun, express yourself. Uh, and all those, you know, substitutions, what is now the main man, Big Rob, was certainly impressive. Yeah, Bobby P. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> is he in East Linders? <laughs> <laughs> yes, he, he came on and he had something to do. What I liked about uh, Valter uh, and his approach is, again, you can't really legislate for errors. Uh, so you can't really beat the manager with a stick about the way we were 3-0 down at half-time. It wasn't necessarily down to him. And we've but just seen Volta get into his car, and I certainly wouldn't advise me beating him with a stick, <laughs> bearing in mind the amount of people he had around yeah. him. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> a, bit, a bit long stick. Um, <laughs> no, I think the fact that we didn't say, well, we're 3-0 down against Arsenal. If we try and attack, they're going to pick us off. Could be 5-0. What I, what I don't need is that. He said, I'm going to you know, roll the dice, see what happens, chuck on success, chuck on Pereira. And what I, what I liked is that even though, you know, I think Arsenal did, did dominate the first half, they were in control for a lot of it. They were, they were passing it around, not necessarily being dangerous, but they looked threatening. There were chances when they penetrated. We don't create anything. I think the nearest we came to scoring was Koscielny deflecting across towards Czech, which he saved. Um, and I think Pereira is one of those players who we don't have in our squad and haven't had in our squad. The player we maybe hoped Gerardo would have been last season is the one who will, will take the ball from midfield into attack. Um, that was, the, that was uh, the first three games of the season, the first... Um, two games a season that was the missing link it was how do you get that ball in that no man's land or it felt like a no man's land that's been that's been a missing link since probably uh, halfway through last season and as an alternative to Dean and Igalo isolate or you know two big players up front who we knocked the ball long to I think um, we haven't had that since we've been in the Premier League so now we've got success uh, you know, we, do we play with a diamond formation with three up front with success and Igalo and Dini and then Pereira behind we've now those kind of questions are where you make spaces where you confuse defenders where you get those half a yard breaks which is what Arsenal were doing to us you know one two's on the edge of the box and suddenly someone going through a cross going across, flying across the face of goal Sanchez scrambling it in those kind of things don't happen by what happens at the last minute it's what's happened three or four seconds before that moves that players have made and I think if Amrabat's a great attacker uh, if he's got Yamat behind him uh, to protect him uh, and we play as the more you know with a 4-3-3 formation or we, we mix up a bit I think then there's then there's scope for goals because so far our what we in the summer was valued at about a £17 million strike force neither of them scored yet I think the other one is though um, the first touch from success oh what an absolute beaut just a little stun little deft stun out of the uh, off the outside of his boot ball down, down the line it was uh, it was magnificent, yeah, he, uh, he was obviously waiting for that and uh, he announced himself uh, to the Watford crowd in uh, quite a spectacular way. But then, I quite like this, later on when we were still pressing in the game, uh, I think Kapu had the ball down on the, on the left-hand byline and was looking to play the ball forward and he sort of turned to go back. I thought, why didn't you play success in? And I looked up and he was helping Bellerin with cramp. <laughs> so he's obviously a bit of a sort of, a bit of a loose cannon. But what I really did like about um, success, apart from his, sort of the completely random nature of, his, uh, <laughs> uh, of what he does during the game, was he's, he was moving the ball early and, it, and, and changing the angle and changing the direction of attack. And he, he looked really good. He really looked exciting. I think he's going to be a box of tricks. I think he might well frustrate us over the year. I think he's, he's not the finished article. Um, but like what Geordie was saying, he, just, he got the ball across early or he, he did it at a slightly different angle than, than might have been expected and asked some extra questions of the defence and gave you know, Watford players half a yard extra and the, the Arsenal players something extra to think about. And I think it was a really encouraging uh, debut. Um, Pereira just looks so comfortable on the ball driving forward uh, you know he can beat a man he does look the cut above that, that I think we hope he's going to be it's, uh, there's a lot of pressure on him 
because I, th I think it's very rare that a problem um, within a team has been so obvious as, as it has been at Watford and, is that, and that is the link of getting the, getting the forward play going properly, really getting those guys into the game and carving proper chances. We had, we had some sort of half chances in the second half, Iggy's overhead kick, Barami perhaps should have done better with a shot and you know there are a couple of chances where, where a decent pass here and a decent pass there would have, would have, would have created a chance but it, in all honesty whilst the second half felt better we didn't create loads, it wasn't as if Czech was sort of scrambling around the place all the time. But I think in time, if we can keep Pereira fit, I think he can do that. It looks, you know, we've only seen him for 45 minutes, but there's a lot of pressure on him and he needs to deliver quite quickly if Watford are going to sort of twist this round. We've got Manchester United next. Difficult. Jordy, uh, the uh, other man who came on, um, uh, Jan Matt, uh, Denzel Jan Matt, um, uh, as, as the last one of the, the well, no, Kabul, uh, Kabul also um, uh, debuted today, as well as Kabuseli. Hello, um, and um, uh, but he had a little bit in the in the second half, and certainly that that um, right hand side felt more threatening. What's the biggest thing you're going to take from this game? I would say probably the fact that we finished it uh, in an attacking sense, and we have, like I said before, uh, another. An alternative way of attacking. I think Mike was bigging up Pereira, and I guess we had Dini and Igalo for the first half of the season until all the teams got wise to it. And if suddenly we're going to have, well, our alternative is Pereira, it's not enough in the Premier League to have one alternative. One, he could get injured, and two, teams start putting two defenders on him or kicking them up in the air, and we're back to square one. So he, he can create a, a diversion. It's down to the other players to all step up and say, well, while he's doing that, I can't then take a breather or slack I need to um, up my game so that I'm there when he wants to do the quick pass when he wants to slide it in I know I'm going to get the ball back from him so I think that's that, that, for me that we've we've that, that, that Volta didn't sit back and say well 3-0 I'll take that or stop it being 5-0 he actually went to try and get the game back I think the concern about Pereira is that I don't think he's an alternative he is a big part of the solution and a lot hinges on him I think that's what I was getting at he's not he's not something different he is a he is a piece of the of the, of the plan A jigsaw that needs to work I think quite 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 a lot and I think if it does come off I can feel I feel confident that the, the team can can work around that and I think he will fill in where we've been missing I come away think, feeling disappointed I don't I don't think that Watford did themselves justice at all today really I think the game was gone at half time but you do get the feeling that this is a decent looking squad now the the, the defend the, the substitutes that came on you know Daryl Yanmat you know all right the Newcastle supporters will 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 give you loads of grief saying he's rubbish at defending but he's you know he's a Premier League quality player he's an international footballer Eunice Kabul another another centre-back option I think uh, Mrs Britos is uh, uh, is having a baby so congratulations to the uh, Britosses um, <laughs> uh, to the Brit yeah <laughs> big up the Brit massive and uh, and Cathcart had a knock and what you know what a great what a great situation to have two you know Cabaselli is, uh, is an international as well and Kabul has got Premier League. You know, we're in a, we're in a fantastic situation to have those guys come in. Far from the finished article, a bit like Arsenal, may I add, if there's any Arsenal fans listening. <laughs> you've got a long season ahead, I reckon. But I think there's a lot of, you know, the squad feels the chunkiest, the most full of quality and, and different options in terms of sort of changes and substitutions um, that we've seen probably... I don't know. Maybe even in our in our lifetime, watching watching Watford, and if if Matsari can can knit these guys together and get them going, I think we, we we've got some exciting times ahead. A podcast made by Watford fans, fans for Watford fans from the rookery end. Mike's surname is Parkin. He has a son called Arlo. This is our feature, Michael Parkinson. 
Hello Arlo and thank you very much for joining us on Michael Parkinson. How are you today? Good. Now we've got some news for you. Matty Vidra has left Watford and joined Derby. How do you feel about that? Happy. Happy? Really? Why do you feel happy? Because I didn't like the bit... I didn't like his hair because I didn't like the bit where it went like that. Well, where, it, where it stuck up a little bit? Yeah. So if he had a better haircut, do you think he should have stayed? Yeah. And Watford got £8 million for him. Do you think we should have got more or less? More. Lovely. Thank you very much for joining us, Arlo. See you soon. Bye. Hi, I'm Ketchi and you're listening to From Lewis Korean. Tweet Twitter this morning, um, basically, uh, Matty Vidra telling us all he's off. Very matter-of-fact, John, you just said that. Yeah, I know, but I just, I, I, sometimes when I'm emotional about things, Mike, I like to just, just brush it under the carpet a bit. Yourself. Yeah. You, I think you want to see someone about that. But uh, <laughs> I'm personally, I'm sad to see him go. And I think there is uh, an emotive side of that, an emotional side. He's linked to some of the, the best moments in Watford's recent history. I think he's had a big part to play in getting us to where we are today. Uh, I still love watching that goal against Brighton. Not the, not the winning in the Premier League season, but the, when we got promoted, the one before that when he put the afterburners on. Uh, the goal against... There's so many great memories that are linked to, linked to Vidra. But I said in the, in the podcast before last, we'll know whether he's done enough on the side of stuff that was lacking if he stays. And he obviously hasn't. There's no, I don't think. Well, maybe, but maybe it was just they offered enough money to go. Well, we can't say no to that. No, I disagree. I disagree because I don't think any amount of money would tempt. Would would they wouldn't accept any amount of money for someone who they thought would do a job for Watford Football Club. I think that's where we're at. Certainly at the start of the season, I think he had a job to do. He had to persuade Matsari and the and the staff and the senior managers, senior management team that his head was correct and he was going to be able to deliver for Watford. They've obviously decided that's not the case, and and he's moved on. You know, he's quite divisive and I think people have said you know, fair play is obviously not up to it uh, and some think we could have done the job and I feel a little bit sad that we'll never, we'll never find out and I think you know, if, if success doesn't, does, doesn't work out and Jerome Sinclair who we haven't seen anything of in the, in the Premier League yet this season and, and Iggy and Troy continue to struggle then people will say well we'll miss Massey Vidra. Um, and I'll miss him from a from a purely a fan's point of view. You know, my son's got a picture of him with with Matty Vidra on his on his wall, uh, and I'm going to have to take that down now. And that will that will break his heart. You know, Matty Vidra was his favourite because he was quick, he was a lethal finisher, and uh, you know he looked like a classic striker. And I just kind of, from an emotional point of view, I'm sad to see him go. I think we've got a strong squad. We've got excellent strike force options. So from a, a cold scientific point of view, they've made the decision. We move on. Uh, Geordie, the international break is upon us. We've got a two-week period um, with certain players going away, certain players not. Uh, good timing, do you feel, at this point? Yeah, I think um, less so today, but the last two games, I think we needed to work on our fitness. Uh, and it is one of, those, one of those kind of, you know, what do you do when you get a new manager who wants to play differently? Do you work on, on the tactical side of it to make sure you're not making mistakes? Or do you work on the fitness side of it to make sure you, you know, a, a Beppe pre-season or a, or a Gianfranco pre-season? Uh, <laughs> when you say we need to work on our fitness, that very much is the royal we, because we're all sitting here very much with yeah. our post-summer uh, <laughs> coat on, if you like. Yeah. <laughs> if, if only mine was post-summer. <laughs> Mine's post-30th birthday. Uh, nature works against you. You'll lose, uh, you'll lose that baby weight soon, Geordie, don't worry. <laughs> yeah. Maybe when I'm decomposed. Um, I, th- I think the, the the break has come. Obviously, we've, we're in a bit of a, a glut, if you like, of, or a, or a rut of uh, of bad results, including the cup match, which again doesn't count for much. But you know, these things become habits. So 
get this awful start of the season out of the way. We've got three of the, three of the difficult games out of the way. It's then hit the ground. And obviously, international break, you know, playing Man United. Uh, hopefully they can get some players injured because obviously most of them are uh, international players. So hopefully it will not only work in our favour from what we need to achieve, but it will work against our opponents in the sense that it will stop them preparing for us and we can go and, and go for it. You know, I think we've, we've shown that we make the mistakes defensively, so we need to eradicate them, but we need to attack teams because I think we, you can't rely on not, on, on not conceding and we're not creating enough chances. With this new kind of formation at the end or these new faces at the end maybe we will be more 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 offensive I'd like to see a bit more of that but I think I think we need we need time on the training pitch yeah. just everyone to get especially with the new faces to kind of blend in and meet everybody so I think it's it has come at a very good time for us yeah, agreed. I think uh, the one disappointment is that, that that second half was positive I think the Watford players will come away feeling better than they thought they were going to I think that second half was the best possible second half we could have got apart from scoring four goals obviously so I think they'll they will regret that they haven't got a game to build on that but I do think the bigger picture we've got new players coming in we've had three in the last week and we've said that they're going to be key players they're going to be important players for us so I think that extra bit of time to get on the training pitch get to know each other work hard realize that we've had a tough start to the season we knew it would be it's materialized it's happened regroup work hard bond as a team come back stronger fitter better ready to take on West Ham and Man United uh, we went out of the cup 2-1 uh, after extra time with Gillingham um, uh, the question I'm not going to ask you Michael are you bothered because the answer is yes you are because you always want to win some uh, win the games um, but are you what are you, what are you, are you are you devastated um, yeah I am because every time Watford play I want to see him win uh, and to be perfectly frank, I'm sick and tired of going out of the of the League Cup in in the early stages when there the, the are teams there to be beaten. It but is it because do you think it's because we change too much and there's like a whole other team that go on that? No, because we can't spend our time on the podcast saying how impressed we are with the squad, and then when they make changes, not beat Gillingham. Mm. Now, absolutely no disrespect to Gillingham. I know that teams will turn up now at Watford, Swiss new stadium, spent 50 million quid in the transfer uh, in the transfer window. They were up their game. They lost 5-0 the week before, so they've got a point to prove. So, it's, it, it, like any other game, you have to beat the opposition. Um, but just really disappointing. Um, I'd rather we lost in the Cup than in the league, obviously, because, but we've got to be better in these games. Um, and I just think it's a, winning is, is a habit. Oh, I'm so absolutely cliche-tastic this week. <laughs> I'm horrific. Um, no, winning is a habit and that how who knows how that would have fed in today and how they would have started today had they sort of demolished Gillingham or, or got another cup game to look forward to. I just think as a club you want to be winning every game, you want to be progressing in tournaments. But our trophy cabinet isn't exactly bulging, the League Cup is a very, very real opportunity for, for what for football club um, as a piece of silverware and yes of course it isn't the priority, staying in the, staying in the division is by, by far and away the only priority of the year. But we're a professional football club with enormous finances now, um, with, an, with an enormous squad, full, chock full of quality that we think is quality. We should be, we should be competing better in these games. I was, I was upset. We're the Orns, you're the Orns. Come on, you Orns! We are also nearing the end of the lovely transfer window. Um, we might, and I'm stressing the word might with a capital M, I, G, H and T, do a, a bit of a Facebook Live um, about, the, about the transfer window and how it's gone. Are you expecting more, Mike? Especially with Vidra going. I think we're probably done, really. Because I think we, the, the mantra has always been if we're going to bring someone in, it has to be better than what we've got. 
I think we'd like to see another attacking midfielder. I think there are people still harbouring hopes of the of the Buffard deal going through, but I think you know that one's pretty much dead in the water. I think he's he's going to Southampton, and on top of that, he's not fit anyway. So I think that's still the area where we where we look like we need to um, we need to improve. But I don't think there's going to be anyone that we can we can get in. Tommy Hoban's gone out. We must say good luck to Tommy. Hope he has a great season uh, at Blackburn. He's been magnificent for for Watford and indeed from the rookie end. He's come on a couple of times and he's been he's been good for us. So good luck to him. But yeah, I th- I if I had to put any sort of money on it, I'd put two pound fifty on our business being done. The only business I thought we might get is do we have to, do we have to have the season long loans in? By that point as well, because if if I know we've only got we've got one season on loan in, we can have another one, can't we? And if it's an under twenty one who's young, maybe that's the sort of thing that might happen in the next couple of weeks. But it doesn't have to happen by the right. date, does no, it? I think there's an extension for the loan window is is slightly different. Um, but yeah, there may be we can you know I, I guess and I hope that the the scouting network, Luke and the and the gang, are sort of they, they're sniffing out something that that can add to the squad. We'll see. But I I I feel like. Like we said earlier, the squad feels kind of complete now. There's been some pretty... I mean, you get used to it, don't you? These, you know, I saw Daryl oh, Darryl Yanmat signs on my phone. I was sort of getting a barbecue ready at the time. I was like, oh, that's good. <laughs> but, but, and it is good. I don't, I'm not undermining it. We, you know, we spent £7 million on a, on a, on a Dutch international wing-back, but, you know, which is fantastic, but you get so used to it. So You've changed. You've changed. I absolutely have. Yeah, I don't <laughs> mind admitting it. Who won't change me? Um... <laughs> So we get spoiled. We, f- we forget the, the amount of money that we've invested and the, and the quality that has come in. So, um, yeah, I think I think it's going to be a quiet one for uh, for Watford on uh, on transfer deadline day. Um, he just drove off next to us. Let's pretend to be uh, Volta. Mm-hmm. Um, we got our game against yeah, Manchester. Do you want to light? Do you want to light? Yeah, do you want to set the yeah. light? Who's, where's my uh, my uh, pretty translator? <laughs> <laughs> um, do, who um, who's who are you going to start as your eleven? Uh, on that game against Manchester United. Let's go, goalie. Uh, Gomez. Okay, oh, that's a crazy choice. Yeah. Uh, are you, we, we, I'm going to say he's going to start with a back three. If you could pick a back three, who would you pick? Uh, I think Prodal's shown himself to be quite popular. Um, Kabul's coming, so I'm assuming he's going to be coming for a reason. Um, Good question, though, isn't it? Kapasali did well today. Kafkart's a good one. Britos, depending how whether he's having sleep or not. <laughs> You're just naming players, George. Yeah. You need to pick. Who's, a your, who's your back three? Back three going to be then? Britos and the other two I mentioned, Prodo and uh, and Kabul. Um, who's going to be that five midfield? Uh, right, Amrabat, Pereira, Kapu. I guess Holobas. And the unexpected <laughs> mystery deadline day signing. Oh. <laughs> Not Barami. Uh, no, I, I, I've, I've been given a tip. There's a guy who's dyed his hair blonde, plays out in Catalonia. He's, uh, <laughs> he's, he's dyed it blonde because he wants to match his shirt. You've mentioned two players. <laughs> You've mentioned two players there, in Barami and Holobas, and I think both of those deserve credit. I think Barami, yeah, yeah. what he's doing now, is doing the, the tough stuff, but he's doing it very neatly and tidily. He, d- he doesn't draw the eye like he did in the Championship, where he's almost like a sort of rampaging nut- nutcase, in effect. Not in the Championship, when we, when we signed him last year. You know, he, he felt like there was always a foul yellow or a red card in him, whereas now he's doing it. He's just as strong, he's just as firm. He's very neat 
he's just getting he's not he's not a, a walking yellow card he's, he's not getting under the skin of the ref or the opposition I think he's he, he was terrific again today and I think Holobas is, is is really slow is turning his Watford career career around and is starting to show some flashes of that going forward how dangerous he can be and I thought he took Arsenal by surprise a little bit this, this afternoon when he broke forward and he's going to surprise a goalkeeper soon enough when he gets a when he gets a left footer off so I think Barami and, and Holovas both need, should deserve singling out for, for a bit of praise. I think they've done great. Uh, and then up front, Geordie, your front two. Are you going to make some drastic changes yet? No, probably not yet. But that's if we stick to 3-5-2. Um, I, think, I think that centre-back position is up for debate. I think the wing-backs, maybe Jan, Matt, for Amrabat, but that's pretty much Holovas. I think I, I don't know who else can play that position. It's mm. kind of We've gone through the, de- the depth chart. and Juniger. Yeah, but I don't know if he's fit or if he's just not... Is he a is he a left wing back? Is that his favourite position? But you play both, I thought. Yeah, but but Holobas is obviously number one. He's got Aki there. Uh, there's no uh, antagonistic Instagram posts. Uh, he's not sick yet. Um, maybe the results, but uh, not not been the fact he's, he's playing. I think I think the, the wing backs are Holobas is is a shoe in if he's there. Amrabat probably unless unless we decide to go more defensively. And but although Yamat's probably not very good defensively mm. according to Newcastle fans. But anyway. Front two, it'd, it'd be interesting to see why they'd be broken up. Um, but I don't know if we're going to. I don't know if we're going to stick with a three-five-two. There was a point when Yamat came on uh, for Cabasale, it almost looked like we'd switched to four at the back yeah. very briefly. Yeah. Uh, and then obviously the changes happened again, and kind of just kind of threw the kitchen sink a bit at it, uh, at it a little bit towards the end. But I do wonder whether three-five-two doesn't give us the adaptability during the game that, that maybe a four-three-three, a four-five-one would. And give us the extra strength out wide that we maybe maybe he he's, he he feels he can get what he wants from two centre backs, doesn't need three, and maybe use as defensive midfielder as the third centre back rather than three established centre backs. So that makes sense. So maybe have Barami dropping back into centre back position, uh, depending where the ball is, but use him as a shield and then give yourself more width. So I think I think I think this this international break to go back to your question earlier is isn't just about getting to know you and you know working out who, where your locker is and stuff in the change room. It's, uh, it's, we may, will we see uh, Valter change from a 3-5-2 that he's kind of established forever? Because we saw Kike do the same thing around this time last year. And, may, and maybe things that work abroad and managers who haven't managed in the Premier League have these established things and they come over here and go, Christ, they attack here. You know, even if you're playing a lower league, a lower, uh, team lower in the league, they still attack you and you don't get the time to dwell on it. And if you do play without full-backs, they'll get around the back on the sides and we saw Oscar drifting over there and like, Cathcart getting pulled out. And do you just say, well, if maybe we just default to four at the back if that's where we're going to get pulled out to? Uh, and Holobas, obviously, that would allow someone in front of him and Holobas is attacking and Jan Matt's attacking. So we still have plenty of width, uh, but we'd have more adaptability. And I just wonder if that's what we need because we've seen the second half of last season to be a bit predictable. And I think the first half of this season, certainly in attacking sense, we haven't had anywhere near the threat when you consider that we turned down like gigantic bids for our two centre forwards. So, and we ha- we're not getting the best out of them. Uh, thank you very much for listening. Uh, we uh, say we want to do a bit of a Facebook Live in a couple of weeks' time, uh, a couple of days' time uh, on the uh, transfer window deadline day. Um, make sure you follow us uh, on all social media at What for Podcast. Uh, and if you are listening on iTunes, then please whack that subscribe button. And if you feel like it, leave us a review. It's always quite nice. Thank you very much. The next game, we're off to uh, the. Olympic Stadium, what's it called? Anyway, who cares? Is it the London Stadium? London whatever, Stadium. I don't care. Tesco Stadium. Tesco Stadium, yeah. Um, the, uh, what's a, what, we, we, I mean, I mean, 
I've seen West Ham, they're a bit boring. What's your prediction going to be, Mike? They're not boring, they're very volatile, West Ham. Mm. Um, and we, will, we will take advantage of their state of flux um, to pile further misery on the now out-of-Europe hammers with a stunning 3-0 away victory. <laughs> we'll have a bit of that, we'll have a bit of fun. Thanks for watching listening. Um, uh, do tell your friends, and come on you all!